Today we begin our July sermon series, and we're talking about Jesus and the kids. So over the next several weeks, we'll be looking at passages of scripture that deal with that theme and uh, the ways that Jesus interacts with children. We're doing, uh, we have this opportunity, it's a really great opportunity this summer because of our HVAC project going on in the, in the back end of the building, we've had an opportunity to have children more present in worship than we normally do. And so we've been thinking as a staff ways that we could uh, make that a little more real. And Erica's uh, book that she had at staff meetings, we were talking late in the spring and planning out the summer, she had a book called Think Like a Five-Year-Old, and it became the inspiration for my sermon today, and it, and it got us thinking about all these Jesus and the kids stories. So children have always been teaching us about God. You, I don't have to tell you that, uh, but maybe just remind you that they've been doing that. And on my shelf sit two books. Uh, here was the original version. It's called Children's Letters to God. Then there was an- another version that came out a little bit later that added to the collection. And um, it looks like this. It's the new collection by Stuart Hampel and Eric Marshall. Some wonderful illustrations, and I just want to share a couple of these with you as we think about the ways that children open us up to faith. Dear God, are you really invisible, or is that just a trick from Lucy? So we have those same kind of thoughts. You know, where is God in the world? And certainly from a kid's perspective. Dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other so much if they had their own rooms. It works with my brother from Larry. Maybe that's all they needed was their own rooms. Who knows? Dear God, please send Dennis Clark to a different camp this year. Did you ever have a Dennis Clark in your life that you wanted to go to a different camp? Dear God, if you give me a genie lamp like Aladdin, I will give you anything you want except my money or chest set. Dear God, please put another holiday between Christmas and Easter. There's nothing good in there now. (laughs) I take offense at that. My birthday is right in between Easter and Christmas, but probably not a national holiday. Dear God, if we come back as something, please don't let me be Jennifer Horton because I hate her. (laughs) That sounds like the Psalms. You laugh at this prayer. The Psalms talk about this and our enemies. and So they're just honest. It's an honest prayer, an honest letter. We read, Thomas Edison made light, but in Sunday school they said, you did it, so I bet he stole your idea. (laughs) And isn't all human invention and creativity just derivative in the end? It really does come from the one who creates. Dear God, it is great the ways you always get the stars in the right places. Isn't that a wonderful sense of awe at the universe? Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. (laughs) So sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers quite the way we hoped. And Dean writes, you don't have to worry about me. I always look both ways. You don't have to worry about me. I always look both ways. Dear God, I think about you sometimes even when I'm not praying. And I've always thought that when we think toward God, we are praying. And so to have a life that is infused like that, that whether we're thinking consciously of God or not, or whether we're praying consciously that God is in our midst is a pretty good thing. So one day, people were bringing children to Jesus, and the disciples decided to act like his handlers or crowd control. They thought they were doing Jesus a service by keeping the children away and sort of protecting him. Uh, He had more important things to do, they thought. All these parents coming, wanting their children to be blessed by Jesus. 
And I would venture to say probably children wanting to come and see Jesus for themselves. Because Jesus had a way of connecting with all kinds of people, young and old, and people on the edges and people on the inside. The stories that he told were so down to earth. They were stories about mustard seeds, and they were stories about gardens, and they were stories about kings, and they were stories that even kids could relate to. My guess is that the kids wanted to come and figure out who Jesus was for themselves too, not just their parents bringing there. And so the disciples try to keep them away, and Jesus reprimands them pretty strongly. He says, don't do that. You're, you're missing the point here. Let the children come to me, for to such as these belongs the kingdom. Do not hinder them, he says. Don't stop them. And he takes them in his arms, and he blesses them. Because what Jesus was suggesting is that kids, I think, have an insight to the kingdom that sometimes the disciples missed, and sometimes we miss, too. All us grown-ups. We, we move past the, thinking we've gotten so sophisticated, thinking that we've gotten so smart. We sometimes lose what the children have. And Jesus knows that the kids have a special insight into the kingdom. I want to suggest for you a couple ways that I, I think that's real and I think that's possible. And I want to share a couple pictures from the week at ASP. I had the privilege of going with the team and being in both counties where our youth were this week. So I spent the first half of the week right after church last Sunday. I flew down to Louisville and drove three hours and met up with the team that was in Breathitt, as we learned, bloody Breathitt County. And, um, and got to spend time there. And then I was in the second half of the week in McGoffin County. And so with some of the older youth that were there. But it's pretty clear when you go out to the work site. And one day uh, we went out to the work site and the kids had brought for them bubbles and silly string and just stuff to play with. And this is little Isaac. And just the, his, watching his eyes and as he was blowing these bubbles and as they, and he was just following them around and trying to pop them and catch them, it was just a wonderful sense of awe. And I think our kids uh, teach us that and remind us of that. As one of, the, one of the folks in Fellowship Hall between services today said, I was just with my two-year-old grandchild this week. And, I, and we played for five hours together. And it renewed me. I laughed. You know, I, I got to see the world through a two-year-old's eyes for those five hours. Sometimes we adults grow out of a sense of wonder. We've seen it all. We've been there. We're too smart. We're too sophisticated. We have so much stuff. We're, we've gotten sidetracked in other things that we think are more important that we lose this just amazing ability to, to be awed by the world, to just take it in and be captured by a sense of wonder. I think when Jesus was saying, the kids know what it's like to be part of the kingdom, he was saying, they know how to appreciate and to take in, in ways that sometimes we adults have forgotten. This is a 10-year-old boy, Glenn, who on the left-hand side, got to, he, someone was, gave him some tools, so he got to be part of the team and create with us and build. He got to destroy some things, tear some things down with a hammer, and also got to help build some things back up. And then this is David at one of the other work sites, and um, it was just a wonderful thing. Vicky brought him his own little plastic tool set, and he got to put it around a belt that was a little too big for his waist, so it kept falling down all the way to the bottom. But, but he, he was so proud to have that hammer and his own saw and his own screwdriver so he could be creative with us. 
But the reality is uh, they, they didn't need those tools to be creative because kids have an ability to be creative. They don't need much of anything to create, do they? They can turn almost anything into something else because of imagination and creativity. Now, how many of you think of yourselves as creative? Let me ask. Raise your hand if you think of yourselves as creative. Isn't that a pitiful thing that we, only that many of us raised our hands? Now, I say that, but you're not that different than most groups of adults. Uh, child psychologists and educators talk about this thing called the fourth grade slump. That's pretty much uh, well established. That third graders, up to that point, if you look at their art projects, if you look at the things that they create, there's this uninhibited sense of playfulness and joy, and, and they, they can, there's a great sense of imagination. But come fourth grade, kids start to be a little bit more self-aware and self-critical and a little bit more inhibited. And so they stop being so creative. And by fifth grade and sixth grade and seventh grade, we've almost educated it out of them. And so by the time we get to be adults, only a few of us think that we're creative. Now, isn't that sad? Because the reality is that God made us all creative. Now, it doesn't mean God made us all artistic. But God did make us all creative in our own ways. There was a lot of stuff being created on these work sites. Some of it through technical skill or engineering, right? That's a different kind of creativity. Sometimes we think that if I can't draw or I can't paint or I can't dance or I can't sing, well, then I'm just not a creative type. What would it be like if we had a church full of people who really embraced their childlike creativity? What if we really were like five-year-olds and believed that we really were made by God to be creative? And we stopped having all those filters and what is somebody else going to say in our lives? There is a wonderful sense of playfulness among children. And I, as a matter of fact, I think that some of the adults go on ASP because of that spirit that is so pervasive all through the week. Now, I, the adults go also to, to rebuild homes and they go to, to mentor youth. And I know that's part of the reason they go. But they also go because there are silly dances in the morning. And because there are games at night. And there is a lot of laughter and there is a ton of playfulness. I had a couple of the adults who've already been to church said, Dave Robinson in one particular came to me and said, you're right about that playfulness thing, Ron. That's one of the things that keeps me coming back to ASP year after year. There's this sense and rejuvenation that happens by being with our teenagers who tap us into our childlikeness before God. What would it be like uh, if we could be playful every day and not just so serious? Serious about the important things, serious about God, serious about faith, serious about our commitments, but not too serious about ourselves. Playful with each other, gentle with each other. Playfulness allows us to treat each other and ourselves with a different kind of gent gentleness. And this little boy at the site, he was so proud of that bicycle. And, he, and I, when I asked to take his picture, he just, he just posed for me like he was ready to take on the world. But it, was, it wasn't just him. I think it was all of us who were pretty playful this week. When Jesus says, the kingdom is for kids, I think he's talking about playfulness too. This is Cheyenne. Cheyenne uh, was on one of the work sites, and she would run up to and practically jump into your arms, almost anybody. She just had this wonderful, trusting spirit about her. And I developed a, a little bit of rapport. Like I said, I was going around. I, didn't just, I wasn't with just one work crew for the whole week. I was with all of our work crews and t taking pictures and posting them back to Facebook every night. And I got to meet Cheyenne on Monday, and then I went back and I, I saw her on Wednesday. 
And so she was happy to see me. But that first day, she was telling me about her brother who had a nickname. But Cheyenne didn't have a nickname. I don't have a nickname, she told me. And so I was teasing with her. I said, oh, should we call you Pumpkin? Or should we call you? I came up with all these silly names. And I said, how about we call you Pretty Girl? She said, I like that. <laughs> so she was Pretty Girl, and I became Good Boy. She said, Mama, Good Boy's here. And he's the one who calls me Pretty Girl. But little Cheyenne was just so trusting. She had this wonderful spirit about her. And we adults sometimes in the life of faith grow to a point where we think we're pretty darn self-sufficient. We need God once in a while, but not every day. We need God when we're desperate, but not all the time. We need God when it's convenient, but we're not really that dependent, are we? Because we're pretty darn independent. But I read the Bible... One of the things that, that is this constant thread through the scripture is that faith and trust are always hand in hand, aren't they? That faith comes with the, naming our dependence on God. Faith is a matter of saying that we are in covenant with this God who loves us, this God who claims us, and our lives literally are in God's hands. And to reclaim some of that sense of trust and dependence is what it's like to be a child of God, to be a kid in the kingdom. Karl Barth was a great theologian of the 20th century. Uh, Byron probably read a fair bit of Barth. We all, oh, those of us who went to seminary in the last 50 years, we've all had to read, wade through Barth. Barth wrote with, uh, about salvation and the Bible and about, uh, and about God and the nature of Jesus and all of these things and literally volumes and volumes and volumes of stuff. But at the end of his life, when he was asked to sort of sum up his faith. Rather than giving a big, sophisticated answer, here's what he said. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Faith like a five-year-old from this learned theologian. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. So there's the good news or the bad news, depending on when you, where you sit today, that there will be no grown-ups in heaven. There's no room for grown-ups because Jesus says heaven and the kingdom, it's for kids. It's for those who know the wonder of the world, those who know how to trust. It's for those who, who unleash their creativity on the world on behalf of others, not just themselves. It's for those who know how to be playful and gentle with each other. The kingdom of God is for children. Not about you, but I am so grateful, so grateful to be one, one of God's kids. Amen.